welcome to the Vault Studios Fantasy Football Podcast, your one-stop shop for all fantasy football info. Here are your hosts. Welcome to another episode of the Vault Studio Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Lewis Glover, and as always, right beneath me there is my co-host, Corey. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? It's good to be back at it once again. Absolutely. Have you calmed down? Have you processed the information yet? I have. I think I got a little bit more excited. I was listening to podcasts all day today. Um, you know, the days when there's good news about the Patriots, like you're always listening to podcasts, watching NFL Live, the bad days, you know, like after a bad loss, you like try to avoid ESPN or podcasts in general. So, yeah, I was all over it today. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm, I've been the same, catching up on every, all the news that I can. Super excited about that. So if you hadn't guessed on today's show, we are going to jump into the Cam Newton signing, what that means for the Patriots, what Cam's outlook is. And then we're also going to take a look at uh, some of the guys who are being underrated by ADP at the moment. I've picked out a few guys, Corey's picked out a few, and we're just going to uh, break those guys down and, and tell you why we think you shouldn't, shouldn't really... Uh, leave a draft without them but before we kick on i just want to let everyone know remind you all that we are brought to you by breaking oz memorabilia who are bringing you some of the best authentic sign helmets and merchandise in australia they are on facebook uh just search breaking oz oz memorabilia and, and join in all the action there and get yourself some awesome authentic signed memorabilia um but yeah let's uh let's let's play that drop ja and then we'll get into the show on the other side If you want to help support the studio, please sign up to our Patreon. Head to www.patreon.com forward slash The Vault Studio and choose from a $1 or $5 a month sub. Also, check out our once-off $100 special where we will make a podcast on whatever you want. The power is yours. And a very uh, special announcement, really, for our, our Patreons and anyone who takes up the option to join that $5 a month MVP level Patreon subscription. Not only will you be supporting the studio and help us do what we do, but you will also go into the running to be part of a fantasy football league exclusively for our Patreons. And the winner of that league will win a signed Nick Bosa San Francisco 49ers jersey. So if you're interested in getting your hands on a signed Nick Bosa jersey, you can uh, frame it, you can sell it, you can trade it, you can do what you like with it. Uh, sign up to our Patreon, the $5 level for at least one month, and you can go into the running uh, to, to take part in that fancy football league. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can just go to patreon.com and, and search for the Vault Studio. But, uh, you know, Corey, moving on to the big news, Cam Newton, you were uh, let me let me know what what your immediate reaction was and what you sort of thought straight away for the Patriots. Yeah, obviously I was kind of riding the Stidham wagon there for a minute, but obviously you can't you know bar you can't barrack uh, for guys that aren't on your team. And, and immediately after the the news, man, I was just excited as a Patriots fan um, to have Cam Newton on the team. It, it, immediately makes them relevant in the AFC again. Obviously, as Patriots fans, we're hoping to make the playoffs. Now I think, um, you know, a shot at the AFC championship, which is all you can ask, is is something that, you know, you could envision happening. Uh, having Cam Newton potentially in the starting lineup just raises the ceiling of the team, I think, overall. So 
um, yeah, I was very pleased with the signing and to get them for as cheap as they got them, you know, why not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you and I did talk about this, I guess more from a real football perspective last night on a, on a quick stream. So if you, if you find fantasy football down under, you can get that information there. It's about 30 minutes. I really, really enjoyed that conversation, but let's focus on the fantasy impact right now for Cam Newton. And I I've been doing some, some serious, serious digging into this. I, I just, I just wrote an article for the dynasty football factory about it. And, you know, Cam has been one of the best, if not arguably the most consistent, uh, fantasy quarterback since he's come into the league. He's never finished worse than a QB5 if he plays all 16 games. And just looking at his point-per-game rank since he came into the league, third, fifth, fifth, seventh, first, 13th, fifth, and eighth in 2018. He did miss some games in 14, 16, and 18, but he's really only had one catastrophic injury, which was which was the one last year which cut his season short. Yeah, and speaking fantasy-wise, uh, I listened to the Mike Lombardi pod, the GM podcast today, and he projected, you know, Newton could throw close to over 4,000 yards, which, um, if healthy, and which he has only done once in his career. Um, he strongly, obviously, coming from the New England system, he believes that they're going to put him in absolutely every single situation best for him as a football player and he projects yeah for him to have over 4,000 yards passing and 700 yards rushing so if he's putting up that you know hallelujah you know he's gonna be easily in the top 10 quarterbacks for sure um if not top five with with those kind of uh production back there yeah and it's not just his rushing yardage it has been you know fairly solid since he came into the league he's um Let's let's take a look here. 700 yards, 700 yards. So maybe like Lombardi's predicted. And then 500, 500, 600, 300, 700, 480. But it's his touchdowns that have just been absolutely ridiculous and gives them this ceiling that no other rushing quarterback has, really. Even Lamar Jackson doesn't have the same touchdown ceiling that Cam Newton has because of his size and what he can do at the goal line. Since he came into the league, uh, he's he's played 125 games and he has 58 rushing touchdowns, uh, which is just wild. The next best uh, over that stretch is Russell Wilson, who's played three games more, 128, and only has 19 rushing touchdowns. So someone who you consider a super dual threat quarterback like Wilson just doesn't have that same touchdown ceiling that Cam Newton has because he's just got this special size strength speed combination that no one else who plays the position has yeah for sure and the patriots are not you know they're not scared to run the ball inside you know inside the 10 inside the five they've done that they've been one of the teams that are probably most heavy in those situations um and having you know cam newton there instead of <laughs> uh the plethora of backs that it, they've tried to get over the goal line like this isn't Legarrette blunt anymore um, you know, Sony Michelle has struggled in that in that role. Um, they've tried other players that have done well enough, but it's not been a strength per se. Um, and then having Cam Newton there now to basically either plow his way in, um, run some powers, some run some read options, um, just gives them all kinds of options at the goal line there for him to potentially score. 
Yeah, and no one likes calling QB sneak like Josh McDaniels as well. So it works. <laughs> it works. It works. It works real nice. Um, I decided today just to you know do some 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 shit on Twitter just to rank my top ten quarterbacks for for this year. It just just in redraft coming up, and this is where I landed. And my my, uh, I'll I'll just go through it and 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 then put the caveat at the end. So number one, no surprise, Pat Mahomes. Number two. Lamar Jackson, number three, Dak Prescott, four, Kyler Murray, five, Russ Wilson, six, Deshaun Watson, seven, Carson Wentz, eight, Josh Allen, nine, Cam Newton, and then 10, Matt Ryan. But if I could guarantee Cam's health, like we know he's going to play 14 or 15 games, and I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt to do that if they come back and say his list Frank injury in his shoulder is 100%. Now there's a chance he's going to get banged up and miss games, but I put him at seven. Like if I was, if I could be assured of that, Cam would be QB number seven for me. So where are you on him for this year? I guess it sounds like I'm I'm pretty bullish on him. Uh, are you in the same ballpark? Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking he's definitely a quarterback one. He should be drafted everywhere in redraft. I don't see, uh, you know, an option not to. I think even you know if you have to reach for him a little bit, then so be it. But I think. Because of his upside, that I would look at potentially grabbing him a little bit earlier than um, whatever consensus might be when you when you have your draft. But um, I think his ADP obviously is going to go through the roof now. I think it goes up and up and up. Um, we'll see where it caps off. But um, I definitely think he's a top ten quarterback, and he should be owned in every redraft league. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I'm going to segue here onto a new segment for the podcast because we've got a new sponsor. And our sponsor, I know, dun, 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 <laughs> is our friends is our friends over at topsport.com.au. And so our segment is going to be the RNFL bet of the week. And it's topical, uh, and which is why I've picked out Cam Newton, comeback player of the year. Now, since he signed with the Pats, those odds shot through the roof. And I believe... <laughs> They're sat on sports bet at the moment around $4.33. Our friends at Top Sport, however, for our listeners, if you go and sign up now, make sure you refer the Vault Studio that sent you. They're paying $6 for Cam Newton to win Comeback Player of the Year, which wow. I think is some, some pretty good value because all he, if, if, you know, all he needs to do is pass for, I would say, 3,800 yards and rush, rush for 10 and throw for 20 account for 30 35 touchdowns which is well in his range of outcomes he he's going to be in with a shot and the other thing that some of the smaller market guys don't have like a matt stafford right is the patriots everyone is all eyes are going to be on the patriots belichick cam newton how are they doing in their first season without brady they're a national market team and so that goes a long way in terms of getting eyes on them and analyzing what goes on one you know Matt Stafford probably could play lights out and will never win MVP, for example, just because he um, he's just not playing in that big market. It's really it's a really hard thing to do. So yeah, that, that's so if you're interested in getting some action at six dollars uh, for Cam Newton comeback player of the year, go sign up at topsport.com.au and in the refer section. Hit the Vault Studio there and we'll make sure you get the best odds possible on Cam Newton, Comeback Player of the Year. And not only that, every NFL bet of the week that we have moving forward. And that could be that could be uh, some preseason prop stuff. That could be some weekly in-season props. 
Uh, Corey, I know you're a gambling degenerate, so I know you're going to be digging into these lines like a like a hound. Yeah, definitely. All, all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So that's yeah, brought to us by our friends at topsport.com.au. Go check out what they've got on offer over there. All right, let's move on over to what we really want to dig in to the set into this episode of the show and look at some guys that are going underrated a few episodes back we looked at guys that we didn't want to touch with a sort of 10 foot pole at their adp but let's now go to uh you know the underrated guys the guys that you feel that people in the draft room are going to look at you and frown upon you for drafting but you're going to feel really good that you've extracted some value so give me your first one yeah, I, I think the whole premise when we talked about it was, you know, you go into a draft and every year there's players that kind of have like a taboo or people are like, you know, you make the pick and they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but still, I believe that, you know, these players that we're talking about will still return um, plus value for you in your drafts. And that's what you're really looking for. And my first player is definitely goes falls in that category. It's Le'Veon Bell. Um, and everyone just moans. Yeah. Like, oh. uh. <laughs> you know, everyone kind of jumped up. Well, not everyone, but he did have, you know, a very high ADP last year coming in. I think the expectations were very high um, coming in for Le'Veon Bell in the New York Jets. So um, obviously not all his fault. Uh, what what went what occurred there? I mean, Sam Darnold not only um, got sick, but he was also seeing ghosts apparently. So, um, yeah. you know, he did have a disappointing finish. He as RB twenty one in standard and RB fifteen in PPR. Um, but at the end of the day, RB fifteen, if if he can return that kind of value um, where he's currently going, I believe he is. Um, third, fourth round ADP at the moment. Um, I think that's that's fine. And I think that he could potentially be better than that, actually, because uh, they improved the offensive line. That mm-hmm. was one of the things that they did in draft. Uh, I think that uh, overall they brought in Frank Gore, which obviously you can think about that however you want. Obviously that might take a little bit of the work share away, However, they did lose. They got rid of Bilal Powell and Ty Montgomery, which kind of improves Le'Veon Bell's uh, passing situation. So receiving-wise, I think he gets uptick and boost a little bit, and he gets a little bit of a breather there with Frank Gore as well to keep him fresher. Because there were some games um, last year with Le'Veon Bell. I had him on a couple fantasy teams where I was watching him. You know, they just get give him – Give him the ball, handoff. He, he runs straight up the middle for like two and a half yards. <laughs> and it's just like play after play after play. And it's just like, that doesn't look very fun um, <laughs> to do in that situation. But I don't think it's a sexy, it's not a sexy pick. And people are going to be like moaning and groaning. But at the end of the day, I think he at least returns you the running back two value. And he's got the potential to end up as a top 12 running back at the end of the day. Look, I don't hate that one. Uh, certainly not a sexy pick, and it's a wild thing to say considering Le'Veon Bell was potentially the sexiest pick you could have in fantasy just a few years ago. The situation has changed so much for him. I was out on Bell last year just because of how bad the Jets' offense was projected to be, and even though he, he did get plenty of opportunities, you know, in 15 games, he had 245 carries, 78 targets. Like, that's good 
low-end RB1 usage, if he just had some efficiency, he certainly would have, uh, fin- you know, returned on his on his ADP. The question is if that efficiency is going to be there. And the Jets franchise is just just such a <laughs> mess. It's just such a mess at the moment. I don't mean to just dump on them for the sake of it, but, you know, they've got Jamal Adams, who's just desperate to be traded away. Players openly talking shit about Adam Gase. Like, it's an Adam Gase, we all know now, he's emperor's new clothes he's not a good coach he's fallen out with players everywhere he's gone he's just you know still riding the coattails of peyton manning's record-breaking season and it just seems to be going all the wrong way for the jets and that organization and yeah that's so and there's of course the sorry as well that the rumors that the gays doesn't even want bell or didn't even want him so if, if we get in close to the trade trade deadline is a team going to come in for Bell? What's going to happen? Is he going to demand a release? Or so there's there's a whole lot of other factors that are going on here past where you're drafting him. So I will draft him a little bit just because his receiving upside is so high. There still aren't a ton of weapons there. And yes, the offensive line is better. Sam Donald hopefully will play 16 games and show some progression. So you can talk yourself into a narrative and improvement on last year. But I'm not going to be going all in on him, and I will feel disgusting every time I draft him. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you know he is going to return RB one value. I'm just saying he's going to he's not going to be worse than he was last year. I don't believe. And if you're getting RB fifteen in PPR at that ADP, which is you know I think that's worth it. I think that's worth taking the shot. And we did talk about vacated targets, and the Jets have the most vacated targets in the league. With Powell, Montgomery, Demarius Thomas, and Robbie Anderson all gone, that leaves 91 rush attempts and 183 targets up for grabs. And adding Bouchard Perrin, Josh Doxson, Braxton Berrios, and Denzel Mims, I don't know if all that goes to them. Yeah, I think it's going to be the crowd of Bell and Herndon show. I think they're the three most talented receivers on the team, and they're going to earn the highest uh, percentage of, of that market share. So def- definitely room for, for Bell to be involved heavily in the passing game, for sure. All right, what's give me one. Man, it's my guy. I'm going to try and get him in every single draft. Like, I just, his price point makes no sense to me. He is going right now at 508 uh, in PPR scoring on Fantasy Football Calculator. That is the wide receiver one. Yes, the wide receiver won in Seattle as Tyler Lockett. And he's being drafted behind his running mate, DK Metcalf. Like, what? What do you people? What? Why is this a thing? I know it's like flashy and DK made a few big plays and all that kind of stuff. Stop it. Tyler Lockett is Russ's dude. No question about it. And everyone's like, oh, but he burned me last year. He burned me last year. Guys, he ne- he he had a really serious leg injury in week 10 before that game. He was the wide receiver three on a point per game basis, right? He got severely hurt in San Francisco. He was hospitalized and there was a moment where they thought he was going to have to have surgery to save his leg. Like it was a really, really bad injury. Fortunately, he was able to recover from that, but he was just playing decoy for the rest of the season. I think he had one more decent game, but he was hurt. Now we, we know that there's going to be, uh, some potential shortened training camps and all that kind of stuff. And really guys that you want to be looking for, I think at receiver, especially um, 
as you move down the board are guys who've got established rapport. And there might not be a better quarterback receiver combination in football than Russ Wilson to Tyler Lockett, just in terms of where the way they understand each other, uh, that they're on the same page. He lines up in the slot a ton, so he gets great looks. His hands are impeccable. I think since he's came, he came into the league, or, or excuse me, since Michael Thomas came into the league, only he has a higher catch rate than Tyler Lockett. He's super efficient, scores touchdowns. He, he's an impeccable route runner, incredible combination of body control. He can just do, he can do everything and he can play outside. Like he, he, he is a, he is a wide receiver one who's not viewed as one. Uh, and where he's going right now is just so disrespectful. So you can get, you can get him as your wide receiver two on your team, but I'd be happy to load up at running back, get myself a stud tight end in Mark Andrews, and then come back and get, uh, get, uh, Tyler Lockett as my wide receiver one and feel real good about that. And, like I, I know you love him. I'm, I just don't. <laughs> I, I understand the DK Metcalf love because he's the prime, you know, second year um, wide receiver breakout candidate type receiver. He's prototypical. Um, he's your big, fast, elite. Um, not the best hands, however. Um, <laughs> that being said, but I, I get why DK is being drafted higher than him. Lockett came off that, you know, pretty um, ugly or what looked like ugly injury. We ended up coming back from um, leg injury. Um, but that being said, I just I don't trust that Seahawks offense enough. Like, I feel like one guy can have a good, you know, a good season there. And I feel like just with that, that Schottenheimer offense, I'm just so disappointed every week in the production it's like so hit and miss like yeah Lockett will have you know a great game one week and then the next week it's just like two catches 19 yards and you're like what the heck what happened <laughs> um, so I guess that's where it comes in but I think there's just kind of a gray cloud um over that Seahawks offense especially when it comes to passing um everyone loves Russell Wilson because he just finds a way to get production, especially if they're losing the second half, it just becomes Russell Wilson show. Uh, but you just you can't bank on that um, with receiver production. So that's my only concern is just the way that the whole offense operates. So I, I guess that's a pretty big concern. <laughs> yeah, we, we know they want to run the football, right? We know that, but I don't think their defense is particularly good. And, you know, He's Wilson sustained both of these guys last year. They've lost Josh Gordon off their roster. I mean, he might may or may not come back and there's no one else there. They've got some tight ends and then that's, that's it. And since Doug, yeah, here we go. Since Doug Baldwin retired uh, or he, he, he was, was hurt and yeah, really was on, yeah, on, on was the downside. Yeah. Yeah. So from 2016, Tyler Lockett leads all pass catches in yards per target. All of them. There's no one better. Tyreek Hill is second. Julio Jones is third. George Kittle's fifth. And he's got like 317 targets. And he has a catch rate of 71%. Like, you understand sometimes that these numbers can be skewed. So Tyrell Williams comes in at fourth overall in yards per target. But it's because he just gets bombs downfield. He only catches 61.5% of his receptions. Tyler Lockett catches 71% of everything thrown at him. And then goes and does super efficient shit and just scores touchdowns and it's just does everything better than DK Metcalf. End of conversation. 
Hey man, you don't have to convince me. You gotta convince the listeners, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's good because I know when we we we'll be drafting together, I'm plenty more. I'm sure as we get close to the season, I know you you can you can take Metcalf and I'll take Lockett. We'll have an unspoken agreement. <laughs> some, some. <laughs> All right, uh, who you got next? Uh, my next one is probably a little bit um, controversial. It's OBJ. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. It seems like the group of people just in general in fantasy are either on a pretty hard line on one side or the other on OBJ. And, you know, the fact is, you know, he was hurt pretty much all last season. Um, the whole year. Yeah, he's he's said that. he Like, he was playing hurt um, all year long. So it's like... You know, how are we really going to um, discount this guy because he was banged up all year and he played through it? Um, he was a consensus, you know, top 10 receiver before that. Every every single year he's been a pro pretty much. So it's just really sad to see, um, you know, how far he's kind of fallen off, um, off the radar a little bit. Um, I mean, he's not, you know, he's not a 10th round pick or anything, but he – he isn't where, you know, he's not considered a top 10 um, kind of guy. I think he's like a fringe guy right now. So mm-hmm. I, I just think from last year, he had 133 targets. He only had 74 catches on 133 targets, which was a 55% catch rate, which was the lowest of his career. Like he came out as a rookie. By a clip, and- I bet. Sorry? By a clip. I bet that was like by a, a significant margin. Yeah. Worst I mean, he had a 70% catch rate his rookie year. Um, in 2015, he had 60.8. 2016, he was 59.8. And then in 2017, 61. In 2018, 62.1. So, like, the guy, that's, you know, 6%, 6.5% off his, his average right there. So, um, I could see him catching maybe 80, maybe 82, in, you know, 83 balls this year. I think if you need to look at, you know, Stefanski's offense more, I understand that they're going to run the ball a lot more, but they're also going to run a lot more play action. And I think that helps Baker Mayfield. And I mm-hmm. also think that you need to look at that Vikings offense of Thielen and Diggs. Um, he received 25% of the target share last season. I don't think that changes much this year, especially if he's healthy. That's, that's the main thing. Like this guy is absolute stud and, you know, when he's help, when he's right, he's one of the best receivers in the game. So I could see him definitely, um, you know, finishing, you know, as a top number one receiver. I mean, he could be a top three receiver. Um, I think he's he's got that in him. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out with Odell. But I definitely think people are a little bit burnt by him in the past, and they're not really willing to take the shot on him. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's that sort of that bias that people have that they don't want to be burned by. But we obviously need to look at the Vikings last year and to, to understand what Stefanski wants to do. It's going to be a ton of 12 personnel. It's going to be OBJ and Landry as the two primary receivers on the field. Now, we know Stefan Diggs, supremely talented wide receiver, obviously wanted to be more involved. But last year, 
his profile changed so dramatically involved in Stefanski's offense, right? He was used as a deep threat, a ton of play action. His yards per reception jumped up from, he's actually alternated. He went 13, 10, 13, 10. So he's about, you know, ran at 12, 12 yards per reception on his career. And then last year, it spiked up to 17.9, nearly 18 yards per reception. He was the most efficient, most effective deep threat at the wide re- wide receiver position in football. If you don't think that's something Odell is going to absolutely excel at, you're out of your mind. And he's now had time to work with Baker. He's getting healthy. He, he also has just uh, tweeted about how committed he is to being in Cleveland. Someone tweeted, oh man, I want to see Odell at the Patriots with Cam Newton. And he tweet, quote tweeted it back being like, I don't care about that. I'm here for the land and the land only. The land being Cleveland. Or words to that effect. So he's publicly come out and committed himself to being in Cleveland. He wants to be there. His best friend Jarvis Landry is there. And I just think this is a perfect situation. And he isn't going at like dirt cheap. Right, He's going at wide receiver 10 at the moment at the back of the third round. But we've talked over and over again about how you build your roster. And you can go and get yourself two bell cow running backs and then come back in the third round and leave your draft with Odell Beckham Jr. as your wide receiver one. And then there's some other guys you can focus on for a bit more guaranteed volume, those targets, that more stable guy. But he's going to give you some absolutely boom weeks. I can see it now. And this is what we want to do. We want to draft players who give you league-winning upside. And Odell Beckham certainly has that. I mean, Mike Evans is going as the wide receiver seven right now. I don't like that. I mean, I've moved Golladay and Thielen ahead of him, and certainly moved Odell Beckham ahead of him. And you, some, I don't mean that, to cut you off. Where'd you get that number? Because on um, fantasy football calculator, he's way farther than that. Oh, for like, real? You know, yeah, they got him in seventh round. Uh, you got to look at PPR, I think. I think you're looking at – make sure you click PPR on the side because the standard scoring, like no one does any mocks, it's screwed up. Oh, okay, gotcha. But, but it's just refreshed for me. So, um, yeah, but he's still there at three, 308. Yeah, uh, he's uh, just ahead on fantasy pros. He's at exactly at 10. Um, DJ Moore, Galladay. Evans are the guys ahead of him. Um, and he's right in front of Allen Robinson, Juju, and Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, your boy. <laughs> um, I th- yeah. I definitely think he could finish, you know, easily in the top three here. Yeah, no question. Uh, and I think everyone's relying on DeAndre Hopkins a little too much. He shouldn't be the lock consensus wide receiver two by any stretch of the imagination. Those guys, I'm putting... Devontae Adams, Hill, Julio Jones, all ahead of Hopkins. Then we get into the Chris Godwin territory. And man, let's, let's, while we're talking about these wide receivers, Antonio Brown, if he signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is the That's rumor. Not happening, man, man the rumor, the, 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 there's no smoke without fire. AB no. signing for someone. He's playing this year. There's no doubt. AB. The reason why that rumor happened is because I, I was listening to, uh, like I said, Lombardi podcast today. He said it on there. Um, but he also said Arians will never do it. But he said Tom Brady would do it today if he was the GM. So it comes with a caveat. He did say Seattle um, is also that he believes Seattle is interested and obviously the Ravens. And they're kind of waiting to see um, whether or not he's all cleared to go from the NFL point of view before he gets signed. So I definitely think it's worth a shot, you know, of grabbing him. 
Um, because if he goes to the Ravens or if he goes to Seattle, um, yeah, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, it, I mean, it'd be incredible to see AB back anyway, but I, I would I would hate him in Seattle, like for, for his fantasy value. Just also, it'd completely fuck up Tyler Lockett, so that'd be devastating. Uh, but it, Ravens would be great, obviously. Um, but I, the, the one caveat that I would love to see him in Seattle is if we uh, fire Pete Carroll and put like Eric Bieniemy as the, the head coach or some some other offensive coordinator who wants to throw the football and be aggressive, unchain Russ Wilson, let him go, let it rip. And just can you imagine Russ Wilson throwing to a trio of AB, Lockett, and, 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 and DK? Yeah, that would be amazing as far as Russell Wilson honors go. I mean, and then if you put him with, if you put him on Tampa Bay, which, okay, it probably won't happen, but that'd be the greatest, that would be like the greatest receiving core in football history. AB, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Rob Gronkowski. Are you kidding me? That, that's that's too much. <laughs> that should, that, that's that's some like bullshit Madden team where you just stack all your, stack all your guys. <laughs> so true. Uh, all right. Um, you went OBJ. My next guy on the list. And he's really only because of the sort of the Cam Newton news. But uh, sorry, I expect his ADP to start climbing. But Julian Edelman, man, Julian Edelman is going in the middle of the eighth round, in the 90th selection. Uh, I don't even know what wide receiver that is. Let me filter by wide receiver and see if I can get an, a number here. But this is a guy, yeah, okay, he's 34 years old. He's just posted his career best yardage, nearly matched his career total and career level of receptions and had serviceable numbers of touchdowns as well. Now, obviously, Brady's gone and that's his guy. But everyone's all of a sudden acting like, oh, Cam Cam Newton doesn't like to lock on guys. Of course he does. He's been a Greg Olson dude or a Christian McCaffrey guy or he locked onto Steve Smith early on in his career. Like he does that. Cam gets a guy and feeds him. And Edelman is being drafted right now as the wide receiver 37 37 yep. he finishes the wide receiver seven and ppr scoring that differential <laughs> that differential is crazy yeah it's... and he yeah go ahead yeah it's just it's he could easily finish as a top 24 wide receiver you make a ton of equity back and you get but by by getting him as the wide receiver 37 like the upside's relative to the guys around him. Obviously, you know, Will Fuller, I love him. We know he's never going to play 16 games. Tyler Boyd, never going to be the, is not going to be the primary guy on that offense. Even with AJ Green, uh, we think AJ Green's going to be okay. Slayton's not the primary guy in his offense. Deontay Johnson certainly isn't. Debo Samuel isn't. Michael Gallup isn't. Jarvis Landry isn't. Brandon Cooks could be. Parker could be. Marquise Brown. So now we're getting into a territory of guys. We go, okay, this could be the primary receiver in the offense, but all the way down at Julian Edelman, he's most likely going to be that primary guy and you can get him for just disgracefully cheap prices right now. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like the same old, same old, like Edelman, he just comes out every year and produces. I think he's kind of around the same time, like around the same place every single year, probably a little higher in past years because of Brady. But I still think that Edelman brings everything he you know, he brought last year. Um, the only difference is, you know, Cam Newton's throwing him the ball now. Um, even with Stiddy, Stidham, I don't think he's the one receiver. I don't believe that this 
changes much for him because I believe that his his role in the offense is is his role and he's very good at it. He knows mm-hmm. it like the back of his hand. So I think that people always kind of sleep on Julian Edelman and he's always like that guy that you draft in the middle rounds and, you know, no one he's says really anything. Yeah. But then, you know, first game he has eight catches and 85 yards and, you know, you get 16 points in PPR and you're like, all right, sweet. Um, yeah. And it just kind of continues throughout the year. And, um, you know, it's not flashy. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's not as splashy as, you know, getting, you know, some speed guy that scores touchdowns um, four times, four times a year. But yeah, I definitely think people sleep on Edelman. They're sleeping on him again. He's motivated. You know, he's it's yeah. Just much- I, now it's like he's yeah, nothing without Tom. He's uh, the narrative is he's nothing without Brady. He's got right. a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. He's an incredibly hard worker, and yeah, he's just an un- an unsexy pick. I mean, there's nothing exciting about a you know a short Jewish slot receiver, but you know <laughs> he he gets it done, right? He just gets it done every single year. He's phenomenal hands and concentration, great uh, quickness in the short areas, and he will be open continually uh so i'm super excited about what uh julian edelman is going to be able to do with with cam newton and also cam is um you know he's got an arm on him as well like if 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 he needs to make those quick tight little window throws if julian all you need is edelman to get one step on a guy which he can and you know he can get brought down in pursuit he doesn't have that long speed but if he just gets that quick openness at at the top of his route newton will will put the ball there for him and I think having Cam there actually kind of opens up uh, the rest of the options on this passing team as well, because um, as quarterbacks get older, they tend to lock into their their one guy. Like, look at Aaron Rodgers. He loves throwing to Devontae, and that's pretty much the only guy he throws to. So um, we, we see this as quarterbacks get older, as they lock into their favorite target or targets um, in that case. So I think – with Cam on the field, he's going to be able to distribute the ball, and that's going to open up opportunities for Edelman because teams aren't going to be able to just lock down on Edelman like they have been trying to in the past where, you know, they try to double him and do a bunch of different things with him. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to do that with Cam Newton as a quarterback. You can't because you have to account for him at all times. Right. At all times. You So you, it's true. 11 on 11. You have to account for him. You're not accounting for Brady leaking out and, and rushing for, for yardage. <laughs> Right, <laughs> so you have to be mindful of Cam Newton at all times, and so it it limits, uh, to a certain extent, what the uh, what what the defense can do. So yeah, I'm uh, really excited about uh, Edelman this year. All right, who's who's next up for you? Yeah, I got Marquise Brown here. I know that a few people, you know, have been tuning the horn for him. Um, I think this is almost more of um upside play on Lamar Jackson's quarterback ability as as much as it is Marquise Brown actually being healthy as well um because I think those two things go hand in hand I think uh Lamar Jackson becoming a better deep ball passer and becoming a better passer overall I think helps Marquise Brown's ceiling and then obviously Marquise Brown needs to be able to stay healthy but this guy is in your Tyler Lockett kind of mold Nicole Hardman you know just an electrical um, speed, electric speed guy who can just get deep quickly. Um, he showed that last year. Um, Marquise Brown, McC- McCole Hardman, Tyler Lockett, 
are the only wide receivers with six touchdowns from the slot in 2019. That's per PFF. So um, the guy's absolutely a stud. And it's one of those guys that I tend to usually kind of stay away with, stay stay away from just because of the, um, I guess, the boomer bust of them. But I know a lot of fantasy players love that aspect of those guys because, you know, if he has that game like he did, you know, against the Dolphins week one, it's like you win a week, you know, weeks yeah, over. Two months. Done. <laughs> so I mean, if he, he played with yeah, if he can give you three or four of those, you know, a, a year, um, especially this year, um, then so be it. You're going to you're going to love the value you're going to get back for him. So um, I think people are kind of just a little bit weirded out about him just because of, you know, the injury and not quite sure, like. Obviously, the Ravens have been talked about as, you know, just this running team, this running juggernaut, which they are. But what takes them to the next level is that ability to um, start turning up, you know, passing yards as well. So, um, yeah, I do like Marquise Brown this year. Yeah, me too. Before I give my two cents on on Marquise Brown, we just got a, a couple of things going in the chat. Hayden. Hayden Ellis, thanks for watching. He says he wants Cam back. He wants 2015 back. <laughs> which <laughs> which yeah i i as as a, if you're a panthers fan uh I'm, I'm sure that's the case he also asks i still got credit in my DraftKings account is that going again absolutely every week i'll be running contests on DraftKings for the vault listeners for fans fans of fancy football down under coming come and get a piece of this come and come and get some of this action uh and yeah we'll, we'll be for sure running contests uh again and, and promoting stuff for for DraftKings. but 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 circling back to Marquise Brown. Funny enough, I was watching Scott Barrett, who is a one of my favorite analysts, formerly of PFF. He's now just moved over to the new website, Fantasy Points. He's the director of Dank Stats at uh, Fantasy Points, which is one of the coolest title job titles in the world, director of Dank Stats. But he was do, uh, live streaming uh, a $350 US buy-in football I think it's football guys championship, something like oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, it's, it's tight end premium, but I think in the fifth round, he took, might've been in the fifth round, but it was definitely his wide receiver two. He took Marquise Brown. He took Adam Thien as wide receiver one, and then he took Marquise Brown as his wide receiver two. And as an aside, he took Antonio Brown in the eighth round. He was just, <laughs> he, so he was just absolutely swinging for upside in that league. But, you know, I thought that was really interesting that, he, he was willing to take the plunge in such a high stakes league. Now, granted, you're, you're trying to find that one combination that beats out 10,000 other lineups. So I understand it. But, but still, there was a lot of other guys on the board. And, you know, we know Lamar is a good passer. If you don't think he is or you just refuse to acknowledge it, just go scream into a void because he is a good passer. And there's plenty of film out there of him dropping absolute dimes inside and outside the numbers. So... That's not a concern for me, and he will continue to progress and develop his game and work on that partnership with Marquise Brown, who played all of last year with metal screws in his feet. Right, and Marquise Brown saw seven catchable deep targets via PFF. He scored on four of them. Um, you know, tar- targeting Brown resulted in a 134.4 passer rating, which was first among 86 wide receivers. So um, that kind of just shows you where he's at, and you know, you're gonna get, you're gonna be able to draft him, you know basically to be your wide receiver three and he can return, you know, high end wide receiver two value. Yeah. I got to admit when he was, when he, uh, 
when he was drafted and when he was coming in as a prospect, I just was not, I was not, I was Same. not in on him. And I, I wasn't, you know, I liked Lamar as a fantasy quarterback, but I just wasn't sure that it would, it would work out and what the offense was going to do, but it just fits perfectly. It just fits perfectly with what Lamar can do, the offense that they want to run. They have the tight ends to eat up all of that short yardage stuff. And then you have Mark, Marquise Brown just taking it off the top and, oh. Can you imagine if yeah. AB lands there? Oh. Yeah, for sure. That'd be crazy. The cousin's going That's there. The cousin's just killing it in Baltimore. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. My next guy, a little bit of a homer pick, uh, is, is, is my guy, Cam Akers, running back of the Los Angeles Rams. And the reason why I've gone with Cam Akers here is that I think you can get a workhorse or bell cow running back at an incredible discount relative to everyone else. And the reason why I say that was like, oh, it's a committee. You got Henderson, you got Brown. The coaches said they're all going to have a role. Excuse me, the GM said that, 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 that. But let's look at the running backs going ahead of Cam Akers, right? We've got Kareem Kareem Hunt for sure is in a timeshare. Mark Ingram for sure is in a timeshare. David Montgomery's, okay, potential bell cow back. Mostert, Singletary, Taylor, for sure all in timeshares at least to you know, start the season. Daryl Henderson isn't good. He didn't play last year. Like they get, he's a situational guy. They want to give him a couple of touches, see if he can break something. But he, he did not work out. They spent a third round pick. They traded up to get him. They get rid of their franchise, quote unquote, running back, Todd Gurley, eat a bunch of cap space to do so. And then still, despite all of their other needs, draft Cam Akers in the third, was it the third round or the late second this year? I think it was a was it early third again, where they drafted Cam Akers. But either way, the team went went back to the well and got a guy who played behind the worst offensive line in college football. Still produced, is an incredible athlete. Has only been playing the running back position since he started college. He was a high school like wildcat option uh, quarterback, I believe. So this is a guy who's still learning the tools of the trade. Looked incredible with all of his opportunities in college, is an excellent receiver, had incredibly high pass protection grades by PFF. And where you can get him is the in, in the middle of the fifth round as a running back 28. Like that's, that's humongous upside. Uh, you know, again, considering who's going after him as well. Swift, Damian Williams, Darius Geis, J.K. Dobbins, Rojo and Vaughn. How... like. He is just he's just screams out to me as just someone who has the opportunity to take up sixty-five percent of the running back sort of total opportunities or snaps in the offense. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. I don't mind taking a shot on him. I think it just depends on kind of where and how your roster is built. I think getting any anyone in that Rams backfield, I'm taking a shot. Like if you want if you believe Cam Akers is that guy, then so be it. Take him. Because I think – I don't think we know – We well, we definitely don't know what the running back situation is going to be like. I think Cam Akers has probably the most upside of all those guys. So I can tell you him. it's not Malcolm Brown. I can tell you that for sure it's not Malcolm okay. Brown. That right, dude is jag. <laughs> all right, I got you. But, you know, Daryl Henderson, maybe, maybe. No, you don't like him. You don't like uh, that the four carries he got last year it was right. Was this is the problem. Like he didn't, he didn't do shit, and he 
And this is the thing. He had gaudy college numbers, but he beat up against pretty bad competition uh, for, for Memphis. Although when he did play against SEC teams, I think he did he did do quite <laughs> did do quite well. That's, but still, that's my only kind of. I I get it. I love that. You know, you're putting your your Florida State hat on and <laughs> you live by Cam Akers. But I do think that um, if you are a Cam Akers fan, then so be it. I think it's worth the worth the shot. I think he could bring back that value even more so because running back position gets pretty ugly pretty quickly, as we've talked about in past podcasts. So um, getting getting a potential, you know, starting running back is hard to do, especially in the later rounds. So go ahead and take a shot. I also think that people should uh, invest in taking a shot on Henderson as well later, even later in drafts. So, I mean, uh, he's, he's much cheaper. He's much cheaper. So it's, you know, it's a good, it's a good sort of hedge. Um, I'm just pulling yeah, up Cam Akers player profile. It's just the situation, obviously, when you draft, if you have, you know, four or five running backs already, um, and you don't feel like you have the draft capital to get acres. And um, I don't mind you taking Henderson, but at the same time, if you wait on running back and you kind of go and zero running back and you're like, Oh crap, <laughs> everyone else took all the running backs and you're sitting there looking at cam acres. Like, I think that you could be looking at worse options. I think that's a pretty good, um, good play if you try that strategy out. So um, like I said, I don't hate it. Um, I'm just, I'm kind of just walking on eggshells with it. I'm just a little bit nervous in that whole Rams running game situation, especially with their O-line and things like that. So, Right. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, three down back profile because he, he had a, an, a 78th percentile college target share for the running back position, which is, you know, obviously something that you like to see. Uh, so you know, Gurley was effective in, in the passing game as well. And then he's got his dominator rating, uh, which is just like a product of his yards and total touchdowns, was 89th percentile. So just really impressive college production. He was right on the cusp of something that's considered uh, elite, which is 40%. He was 39.8. So he was right on the cusp playing on an absolutely atrocious Florida State offense. And yeah, it was it was horrible to watch. So uh, looking forward to seeing what Cam Akers can do on the Rams. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but just going into my last one here, it was just – it's more of just a shot here, especially with tight ends. <laughs> I'm currently doing an article for DFF on a surprise tight end one that I'm looking at. So um, this one is just pure of heart. He – brought me to the promised land last year. Jared Cook of the Saints. Um, a lot of people are burnt by Jared Cook and they do not like Jared Cook at all, but um, <laughs> I just like his situation. I just like him in that offense. It's a nice place to be, especially for an aging tight end, if you will. Uh, you know, so I do think that just based off last year's production where, you know, he had one of the highest depths of target as tight end last year. Um, mm -hmm. He was at 11 and a half. Um, Jimmy Graham was at 11.8, surprisingly. <laughs> so you're like, oh, that, that stat on athlete goes up the window. That's fun. Um, most end zone targets in 2019, Jared Cook had 11, um, tied for first with Mark Andrews. So I think that's wow. where um, 
you know, he makes his hay. That's where you make your hay with tight ends these days anyway, is touchdowns. Um, so I, I think he's still he still can run, which, you know, obviously was a problem for players like Jimmy Graham as they got older. But Jared Cook looks very spry still. Yeah, he's a in, good athlete. Yeah. Um, last season. And, you know, I could – he had most catches of 30 plus yards in 2019 as well. He had five. Um, the leader was seven at Mark Andrews, and he's not as good an athlete, I don't believe, as Jared Cook, um, as far as just pure speed. Um, but yeah, so I do like Jared Cook this year. I think he's he's currently, according to the fantasy football calculator, he's going as the 11th tight end off the. Oh, sorry, yep, 11th tight end off the board, and. Mm-hmm the 10th round. So um, I, I would take him over Hunter Henry and that Tyrod Taylor, whatever mess that's going to be at quarterback. Um, Hayden Hurst. Yes, please. Um, Higby is interesting. I probably, that's probably where I start to think about um, the deviation there, but I mean, Higby right. and Hayden Hurst are going in the seventh round. So, But I'd, I'd, I'd rather Jared Cook in the 10th than Higby in the seventh all right. day. Right, correct. Yeah. All day. Yeah. And that's what I'm Uh, saying. Yeah. Value-wise, he's going to return you some value. And you can wait on him um, until pretty late. Just wait wait till the 15th round and draft Blake Jarwin and (laughs) and profit. (laughs) True. (laughs) Um, Speaking of of Blake Jarwin, uh, my last guy is a cowboy. And it's Michael Gallup. And I think everyone's just like overreacted to them drafting CD Lamb and just expecting way too much for what he does. My, Michael Gallup was a baller last year. He had 1,100 yards and six touchdowns in just 14 games. He actually had the highest target share of all Cowboys receivers. Like Amari Cooper is the wide receiver one there, no doubt. But truly, this season could be a 1A, 1B situation. Michael Gallup is that good. He offers something a little bit different. Dak's going to be throwing it 600 plus times again. There's opportunities there for him. And he's being drafted right now. Uh, Come on, fantasy football calculator. Being drafted as the wide receiver. Where are you? Where are you? Wide receiver 32. So... You know, he's going just before Julian Edelman, who I like, and I might even have Edelman just ahead of, of Gallup, but he's certainly in that range of guys. That I go, oh, yeah, I could could see myself. I'd take Gallup, uh, um, you know, in the same range as, as Cooks, Parker. They're all in the same tier for me, but I, I'd, be, I'd be happy with getting any one of those guys around that range. I just think Gall- Gallup could easily peel off, you know, 1,200 1300 yards and eight eight to ten touchdowns like that's well within his range of outcomes you really like michael gallup he's really good he's really really good i'm I'm not totally sold on michael gallup and i understand that he absolutely crushed it last year he was obviously you know he fit the bill for that second year wide receiver breakout and broke he definitely broke out um, going from you know a six uh, 33 catch season, 507 yards as a rookie to 66 receptions and 1100 yards um, his sophomore season, um, you know definitely was an increase. He only had a 58.4 percent catch rate, which is interesting. Um, 
but his yards per target one was at 9.8, which is huge. Um, um, definitely think that that Dallas offense is going to be a definite problem this year. I think they have potential to be probably the best offense in the league um, if everything goes well for them. Uh, but I understand why you love Gallup. I just uh, – there's just guys around that area that I really like more. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a little bit scary because, like, when you look at it um, – you know, got Brandon Cooks there, who you know I I love. He's the number one option on his team. Yeah, a hundred one option. hundred out of a hundred times, you're going to draft Brandon Cooks over Dallas. Aren't you? Yeah, me. Yeah, I am. <laughs> but like you know, Marquise Brown, we just talked about number one option. Um, as far as receivers go, I, I understand Mark Andrews is there, but it's like, yeah, it's tough. But there are players ahead of him that you know I might start looking, looking at like. You know, I've I'm not a huge Stefan Diggs guy. Um, I think they're kind of in the same boat, really, to be honest. Um, AJ Green, yeah, I would probably take Gallup over him as well. So there's guys that like way ahead of him, according to ADP, that you know, I think that he could outproduce. So I, I get where you're coming from on Gallup. It's just it still feels a little bit risky for me to take him. But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about guys that, you know, some people are not going to love, but we think that we'll bring you back value at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is there anyone else you wanted to throw an, a name check out there just off, off the top of your head? Or is, is that going to, are you, are you, I'm going to you blow up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, Marvin Jones is always an interesting guy. Every single Forever. year, he has tons of touchdowns. Stafford's healthy. I think Marvin Jones is, truly undervalued um just because even as a kenny galladay i had kenny galladay in a couple dynasty leagues and it's just super frustrating when uh marvin jones comes comes away with uh two touchdowns you really don't know like you look at the screen you're like was that kenny galladay was that marvin jones oh it's marvin jones again he's got his fourth touchdown of the day great (laughs) (laughs) kenny galladay's got four catches for 55 yards um (laughs) so I think that's a guy that's very interesting and people kind of were like, eh, you know, as when you draft them, but they return really good value. So um, do you have any other ones that you can just throw out there that potentially could be Matt um, guy draft, but return some value? I mean, we, I think we talked about him a little earlier on, but another receiver who do you just feel gross taking is Jamison Crowder. And James is like, dude, Jameson Crowder had a boatload of targets last year. He was excellent. He's going to be the wide receiver one there. I know they drafted Mims, but rookie, all that situation. He lines up in the slot a ton. He's a a discount Tyler Lockett, to be honest. That's in reality, that's that's what he is. So if you don't like Lockett and you want to get another good guy, he's going to be spending most of his snaps in the slot. They brought in Brashad Perryman to go on the outside to replace Robbie Anderson. So yeah, I really like I really like uh, Jameson Crowder, and he's shown he's not just a six catches for sixty yards guy. He can get those blow up games. He's yeah. uh, really effective at getting open in the red zone, uh, and can he? You know, he cost me a ton of money uh, in in daily <laughs> fan, in daily fantasy when the the matchup was there for Robbie Anderson, and he got the targets and they were missed, and then 
uh, and and then and then Jamison Crowder pops up with two touchdowns. Yeah, just absolute tears. Two touchdowns again. He's like, are you shitting me? Like, hundred percent Robbie Anderson, and and uh, yeah, didn't didn't go well that week for me. So yeah, Jamison Crowder is another guy who I who I like. Yeah, another one that we've spoken about before in the past, like Dave, David Johnson. Um, obviously, um, not not a lot of people like him. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I will feel disgusting drafting David Johnson. I'll do it in some right. leagues. But I, I can have a different argument with myself every single day. Some days I'm like, yes, David Johnson is a screaming value. And then other days I'm like, this man needs to be put in a retirement home. He washed. <laughs> so right. I, I flip-flop real, real, real sharp. It's either, yes, this guy's going to be a top five RB, or this guy might not even finish the year as on an active NFL roster. Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, make sure to let us know your kind of your meh kind of people in your in your drafts yeah. and who you're considering. And we're happy to, you know, let you guys know our opinions on those players as well. So for sure. Yeah. Drop drop them in the comments. You can reach reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at FF underscore down under. Corey, you are at CMoney52. Nice. Hey, if we can do you do that next time. Look at this. I'm gonna instead of having Lewis and Corey, we can put our Twitter handles there. Look at that. Development. <laughs> oh yeah, for those who are listening just to the podcast, we're streaming we're streaming this on Facebook as well. So if you want to come see a couple of handsome looking dudes talking talking some <laughs> talking some some fancy football on on the Facebook, we're we're, we're streaming. Um, but yeah, make sure make sure you subscribe to the podcast, like the Vault Studio page, and remember if you do sub to the Patreon, uh, the the five dollar MVP level, you'll be uh, you go in the draw to be selected take part in the patreon only fantasy football league where the prize there is the signed nick bosa jersey um happy to say the fantasy football down under bowl filled as well so thank you to everyone all of the listeners who are a part of that that's awesome a couple more days and we'll be sending out the donations and, and the draft will start in august everyone should have the draft order done by now so um that that's that's it for the show uh thank you everyone for 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 listening and yeah, Corey, I'll I'll talk to you soon, man. All right, man. See ya. Have a good day. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for tuning into the Vault Studio. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to keep up with our video content, head over to YouTube, subscribe, and click the notification bell. Thanks for listening.